What, what, what's going what? on? Welcome to the Nonprofit Missionary Podcast. My name is Ken McQuiller. I am a U.S. missionary. I also work at two different nonprofits. The goal of this podcast is to provide tools, resources, and stories to help your ministry and organization to thrive. So we're so glad that you guys could be here to join us and excited for what God has for this podcast. So welcome to episode one. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about my story and my journey in becoming both a missionary as well as a nonprofit graduate. I also wanted to share a few of the different segments and the flow of this podcast, some of the different things that we're going to be talking about, including some updates, some tips, things like that. So let's get this started. So today is June 28th. It is actually the halfway mark of our summer program. I'm really excited about how this has been going so far. Shelby's done an amazing job of putting it all together. She's been kind of taking the lead the last few years about like setting up the curriculum and everything like that. She does an amazing job as campus pastor, and it's been really awesome. God's been really doing some amazing stuff. We see just an amazing partnership with a lot of different people. As in years past, especially last year, we didn't have anybody because of COVID, but there's been years where it's just been us, but we've had a lot of people coming alongside and helping so far during the summer program. Shout out to Kurt and his daughter Libby. Um, Kurt's been coming for about seven or eight years now, helping at the summer program and really being a big part of our CLE team as well. So it's been really awesome to have them there. We've had a couple missions teams helping here and there, and we also have another group that's coming in next week. So it's been really cool to kind of see the body of Christ coming together, especially in a time where it's been very challenging with COVID. I feel like this summer has been a big summer of people kind of finally taking a breath. Um, Cleveland's been, Ohio has been, mask-free, or at least all the mask mandates have been lifted now for almost a month. June 2nd was when they opened, and it's been really a blessing to kind of see people, actually see people's full faces. It's been really cool to actually be able to continue to minister to people and to be that great support that God has called us to be. And we're really hoping that through not only the summer program, but as we start the after-school time, that it's going to be an amazing time and that God's going to do awesome and powerful things. I pray that you continue to pray with us. I ask that you continue to pray with us as we're continuing to gear up for not only the rest of our summer, which right now we have three weeks left, plus our backpack outreach. I'll give more updates once we get a little bit closer to that of what that's going to look like. But I pray that you continue to be with us as far as prayer for our students. Our students are still, they've been out of school for a year, and we're hoping that God will continue to support them academically. But then also we pray that God will continue to be with them emotionally and to meet all of their needs. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, CLE team, for your continued support. We couldn't do this without you. And... I'm not just saying that just to say that. I'm saying that because it's true. In a couple days here, you're going to get our June newsletter. If you are not subscribed to us, 
check out McQuillers and CLE.org, all one word, M-C-Q-U-I-L-L-E-R-S-I-N-C-L-E.org. And make sure that you subscribe to our newsletters so that you can continue to stay up to date. We drop newsletters at the end of every month, as well as a video update, so you can get it digitally as well. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel in order to get those. Typically in this segment here, this is kind of the meat of the podcast. We would have an interview or I'd be talking about a different aspect of nonprofit or missionary stuff. But today I really just wanted to start out with my story. Because if you don't know who I am and you don't know kind of my rationale and reasoning behind doing this podcast, then all the other stuff doesn't really matter. So let me take you back to 2015. I was doing my college internship in Cleveland and I really felt like God had called me to the inner city. So I made the decision right after college to pack up my bags and move to the inner city of Cleveland. And it was a decision that I just knew God really had placed me in that spot. And I knew that that's where God really wanted me to be. So once I made that move, I ended up becoming a missionary intern and then eventually a missionary associate once I got my credentials with the AG. And it was very interesting because when I got there, I never really learned a lot about what it means to be a missionary. We didn't really have any classes, at least in the pastoral track, talking about what missions looks like and how you financially support missionaries. So I didn't really know exactly what I was doing at first, and I learned a lot from my mentor and nationally appointed U.S. missionary, Pastor Bob, um, also my father-in-law, and I learned that the idea of doing a lot of phone calls, doing a lot of the different things that you have to do to raise money, going to a lot of different meetings, um, and it was, it was very interesting, and I ended up becoming very lazy with it. I knew after a while that I should probably be making phone calls, trying to set meetings, but I had made the decision. I'll send out a bunch of letters asking people for support and kind of see what happens. I figure God has called me here and people will just randomly give me money. Every once in a while I would get something, but most of the time that isn't the way that it happened. And... Luckily, God was very gracious to me throughout this whole thing. I lived on probably about $300 a month for the first year or so that I was a missionary. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that God was still willing to work with me even through being lazy. And I had, um, I had been blessed because I didn't really have many expenses at the time. My car was fully paid off. Um, being by myself and being a single person, car insurance was really low. And I had a place to stay for free. I was able to stay at the church building in a finished attic. So it was really nice in that regard that God really was still willing to use me and be with me. So through that, I was trying to find the easiest and the quickest way to raise money. And I thought that the easiest way would be to just kind of send it out there. And of course, nothing really happened. I also ended up sending out report um, requests for support to 
um, a lot of different places, including Hobby Lobby, which the CEO was um, actually at my graduation. So I was like, oh yeah, they'll definitely support me. They didn't, which is fine. And I think it was really interesting to see how God used where I was to push me to where I am now. Because after that, I um, started getting interested in a girl. And I knew because of that, I needed to get my act together and I needed to really start to raise some support. So as I was continuing to work a side job at um, Amazon, I also looked at different ways that I could raise money, whether that's through corporate people, whether that's through building relationships with churches or individuals. And one of the things that I had stumbled upon was grants because I knew the Learning Center was a 501c3 nonprofit. I knew that that was obviously a big part of our ministry. And I also knew that they didn't really get a ton of financial support outside of individual donors. And so I took a really deep dive into what grant grant writing looks like. So I had always been told that I was a pretty decent writer. I worked at the writing lab when I was at Elam, the first school that I was at. And I thought, well, I can write pretty well. If I kind of figure out this, then there's a way that I can make some money. There's a way that I can have income continuing to work at the ministry while also continuing to raise support. And so through it all, I looked at it and started doing some grants. Took a couple of grant writer bootcamp classes and kind of learned what organizations, what foundations I should look towards. And I wrote probably about like seven, eight, nine grants those first few months. And most of them came back with nothing. There was a couple that got funded. I was like, oh, that's cool. That was nice. But most of them, nothing. And when I was really looking at it, I was like, well, it seems like this is a lot more complicated than I thought. And instead of kind of just shying away from it, I thought it was really interesting. And I also got inspired when we went to a staff development training in Chicago to kind of continue to work towards doing better at grant writing because I knew that more people needed to hear the gospel. And I knew that one way that we could do that is by paying people to work at the Learning Center. So I made the conscious decision to continue to grow how I do grants and grant writing. And through that, I looked around at our staff, at our board, and nobody really had any nonprofit experience aside from the Learning Center. We have business majors, we have social workers, we have teachers, we have pastors, but we don't have anyone that works in a nonprofit or has nonprofit schooling. So I kind of made the decision that I wanted to be that person. And through that, I ended up going to school. And once I actually went and learned more about the formatting of grant writing, what it took to do fundraising, a lot of the organizational information when it comes to nonprofit, a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about here, God really kind of pushed me to doing a better job. And I really learned a lot more about what grant writing really is all about and what nonprofit work is really about. And I really saw just the tremendous growth that God put in our ministry 
through this whole process. So I started this process of grants and grant writing about four years ago. And in that time, um, we've seen the Learning Center budget grow by almost 10 times the amount. Um, we went from being able to only give people stipends, which was still fine. I'm not trying to say it was we were in a bad spot or anything. But we went from only being able to give people stipends to having this past school year for full-time paid employees. So that's a huge testament to God. That's a huge testament to provision. And I knew for me, I didn't want to just keep this information bottled up. I know that I see a lot of different opportunities when it comes to grants and missions work combined. Because while it's really nice that we are missionaries, um, I think one of the big waves of the future for the church is to get more involved in the community. Whether that's doing more out-of-school time work, whether that's doing a food pantry or a food bank, whether that's doing some kind of workforce development, whether that's hosting a homeless shelter. There's a lot of different things that people will need, and there's a lot of different ways that we can reach other people aside from just on Sunday mornings. And I wanted to help be a part of providing those resources for people. So that's kind of a little bit about myself and why I decided to not only do this podcast, but why I also decided to become a nonprofit um, professional. And I think through all of that, God has really shown me a lot and it's helped me to be a better missionary. It's helped me to up my game with social media. If you don't follow us on social media, you should. McQuillers in CLE. If, um, it, it also has helped a lot with a lot of different things such as doing proper email send outs, working on scheduling things the right way, working on planning. That's been a huge part of making sure that we do what we need to do and not just with nonprofits, but with missions. And I really enjoy what I do. And I feel like more than anything, I didn't just want to do the nonprofit because I knew it needed to be done. I wanted to do it because it was something that I like. It's been a lot of fun kind of looking at everything and trying to figure out how it all fits together. Um, writing grants to me is kind of fun. I know for some people it's like a huge pain, but I really enjoy doing it and I'm really looking forward to what God will continue to do. And I'm really excited for this podcast. I love being able to talk about it and being able to share with other people. So um, thank you for listening and kind of hearing my heart behind this podcast. And I'll give more and more information about what we do to kind of give the short 30 second version of an overview of our ministry. I am first and foremost a U.S. missionary associate with the Assemblies of God. We work and live right in the inner city of Cleveland. And through that, we've planted a community church called the Meeting Place Church. And we host Sunday morning and Thursday night Bible study. Our mission as a church is to meet God, meet people, and meet needs. And we do that in reverse. So we meet needs. So one of the two biggest needs that we meet is education, as well as jobs and job training. I'll get to that in a sec. And through that, we meet people and then 
we introduce them to God. So we have two major outreaches that we do to support our community. The first is an after-school nonprofit called the Meeting Place Learning Center, where we give homework help, other academic enrichment activities, as well as a Bible lesson. So not only do we meet their academic needs, but we meet their social and emotional needs, as well as their spiritual needs. The other nonprofit, and this is a newer one, is called the Tavern Coffee House, where we are using strong coffee to build stronger jobs in order to build the strongest community. And right now that's still in the works. We had received an old tavern building that we're looking to convert into a coffee house. Through that, we're gonna have leadership development training and be able to provide jobs to our young students. Hopefully we're ranging for the ages of about 16 to 25 or so. So that's kind of the, the general small piece of what our ministry looks like. If you want to learn a little bit more about what we do, um, feel free to check out our website and also reach out if you have any questions or comments about our ministry. So one of the segments that we're going to have here on this podcast is the nonprofit tip of the week. Every week I will give you just a basic nonprofit tip, whether that's something that you can do to help make you more efficient some of the resources that I've learned, whatever that may look like. This week, I want to talk about planning. Because even though it is July, something that you should be kind of keeping in mind is planning towards the end of the year giving, in particular Giving Tuesday. Sometimes the organizations that really plan out their year-end giving are the ones that have the most success with it. So... It's not too early to start thinking about some of your plans and some of your ideas of things you want to do for Giving Tuesday. Some of the campaigns you may want to start getting out there for year-end giving, because year-end giving is one of the biggest giving times of the year. So as just a basic tip, I would say start that planning process now. Start to figure out what you want that to look like now. Therefore, when October rolls around, you can just start executing that plan. You don't have to worry about if everything's going to flow right or anything like that. You'll already have that set. So really, in general, when it comes to planning, you should always have your plan at least two or three months ahead of time. And that's not to say that you can't start executing that early, but I would just say as a general rule, like, yes, it's July, but start planning your end of the year giving. And so this next segment here is called Confessions of a Missionary. And I call it that because, first of all, it's going to be fairly vulnerable. But also, for me, it's one of those things where I feel like it's sometimes challenging to express to pastors some of the things that are very challenging for missionaries to deal with. So each time we do this, I'm going to take a specific thing that I would basically phrase it this way. What would I love to tell someone, tell a pastor, that's really challenging for a missionary, but it's also hard for them to actually say to them? So today we're going to talk about communication, because to me that's one of the most challenging things as a missionary. Just kind of as a general rule, we're usually asked to call, like, let's just say we call 10 pastors a day you're lucky to get in touch with about one or two of them. 
and for the most part this is true now for me as a missionary associate i can't just open up the phone book of the ag and just call random pastors i have to use my network so cold calling for me doesn't happen as much just because it's for the most part not really allowed but when I'm communicating even with a lot of the pastors that I know sometimes it's very very challenging so one time I got a an email from a pastor and I didn't reply to him right away because I was not in the office and he replied back did you get my email less than 24 hours after he had sent it and then i emailed him back and didn't hear from from him for almost a week and a half and to me like that's one of the more struggling things when it comes to talking to pastors if you are a pastor listening to this please don't ghost your missionaries i would rather you reply back to me and say no, we can't support you, then you never reply back to me at all. Something is always better than nothing. And just to kind of give it as a good picture here, let's say I contact 10 pastors and only reach one of them. The next time I still have to call nine and I can only add one more if I'm still sticking with that 10. So really like for me pastors please 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 communicate now i'm not saying that i am a hundred percent the best person at communicating there are times where i don't reply back to emails sometimes i'm trying to set boundaries with myself sometimes i just don't have the, the time for it but you should be able to at least reply to an email within a week unless of course you're out of town or on vacation or something like that But here's the biggest reason why, for me, it's very challenging when a pastor doesn't communicate. Now, as someone that did not grow up in Ohio, as someone that did not grow up with the Assemblies of God, sometimes I feel kind of like an outsider coming in. I sometimes feel very little as a missionary associate, let alone an urban missionary associate, where there's really not many of them. And I don't know this offhand, but I'm pretty sure outside of Chi Alpha, I'm one of, if not the youngest urban missionary. So I already feel sometimes that I'm a little like the, the cute little kid trying to raise up money for something extraordinary. But when a pastor doesn't reply back to me, it makes me feel even smaller it makes me feel very insignificant. Now, part of that obviously is a me thing. And part of that is something that I deal with. But as a pastor, you should look to try to reply to all of your missionaries. Missionaries are not sales calls. Missionaries are trying to, first of all, just connect with a pastor. Like I don't expect every single pastor I meet with to support me, even if it's just talking and kind of bumping elbows even if it's just being able to kind of share your heart and also learn like a lot of the people that I talk to a lot of the people that I meet with have been in ministry a lot longer than I have and I want to hear what they do and how they do it and I understand that not everyone can support what we do but at least hearing me out would be really good at least being able to communicate would be excellent to me I understand that not everyone does emails, not everyone does phone calls, but at least giving that 
decency of, I reached out to you, can you at least reply back? That to me is one of the bigger struggles as a missionary. And I would bet if you ask any missionary friend, they would probably say the same thing. Now for me, fundraising isn't just a, a task to get through in order to get on the mission field. I see it as a part of ministry. But I understand that it can be very daunting. I understand that it's very challenging for a lot of people to ask for money. For me, it's still very challenging just to say, hey, can you give me X amount of dollars? But in the same way, at least don't ghost your missionaries. If someone calls you, just have the decency to call them back. Even if it's a, we don't have the money for you right now, or I'm really busy, I don't know if I can schedule another missionary, at least let them know. That way they can feel like a human as well. Because sometimes like calling pastors and leaving voicemails, it makes you feel like a sales caller. It makes you feel like you're one of those telemarketers and no one likes feeling like that. So I encourage you all, pastors, make sure you communicate. Make sure you're sending replies back. I'm not asking for something within an hour, but a couple days shouldn't be too hard. I understand also that not everyone has the same day off. Some people have off Mondays, some people have off Fridays, some people do other stuff. But like, if you don't get back to a missionary in a week, to me, that's not the way to go. So that's Confessions of a Missionary for you. Thank you guys so much for listening in to the Nonprofit Missionary Podcast. If you want more information, feel free to check out our website, mcquillersincle.org. Also, feel free to email us at mcquillersincle at gmail.com, all one word. And we would love to hear back from you. If you have any questions, I'll feel, feel free to send them my way, and I will get back to them as soon as I can. Thank you guys again, and God bless, and have a great week.